I am uh, not going to be long today, but I believe this message on identity is so very, very, very important. Um, I personally have an account with LifeLock. You've seen the commercials. They protect your credit cards and your social security number. And if someone tries to open a credit card in your name or using your number, then I get a notification. Is this you? Yes. I was on American Airlines and they offered me a new card and I, I took it because I can get my baggage free. And, um, you know, it's, it's great when you feel like you've got some protection because we do have an enemy of our soul who, is, who steals, kills, and destroys. And he is artful in identity theft. He will try to steal your confidence in who you are in Christ so that he can keep you living beneath the privilege, and it is a privilege, it's an honor, for us to be able to enjoy the relationship that we have with our Heavenly Father, all because of what Jesus did for us 2,000 years ago at the cross of Calvary. I am uh, going to, the, this is number two in the series called Identity, and it's called the new birth and the seed of God. Oh, I just saw the clock. We are officially in spring right now. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. 1034. I heard last night on the news that at 1033 this morning we would be in spring. So, ooh, I'm so glad. Just ready for longer days and more sunshine and uh, just better weather and less cold. Our series text this morning is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, everybody say belongs to Christ. That's the same phrase that's in the King James, therefore if any man be in Christ, we're joined to him, we're united to him, we belong to him, okay? Paul wrote in Corinthians, he said, you are not your own, but you're bought with a price, the blood of Jesus Christ, therefore glorify God in your bodies, okay? So we're joined to him, we're united to him, we are in Christ. It is an identification that I recognize. The New Testament, especially the letters of Paul, are filled with this phrase over and over and over again, in Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath half, past tense, blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Where? In Christ. So I have already, past tense, been blessed with everything I'll ever need in Christ. I am, because Jesus took sin for me, he became the sin bearer. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, Therefore, or for, for him who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him, in Christ. Okay? Now, that's not in my own strength or my own righteousness, but it's in Him. The Scripture says in Colossians that I am dead and my life is hid with Christ in God. All right? So now, because I am in Christ, the scripture says that I'm to set my affection on things above and not on things on the earth. 
but set them on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. All right? So this passage that we've just looked at, and I, I left it, but I'm coming back to it, it says this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, everybody say in Christ, has become a new person. A new person. Now, there's not anywhere near enough attention paid to this concept in, in religious southern um, life, in southern churchianity, you basically are told that you're always a no-good, low-down sinner, and you'll always be a sinner, and you're going to sin a little bit every day. And how many of you know when you hear that every Sunday, you go out and do what you were preached to? As a matter of fact, I want to tell you, that's not even the way that the New Testament identifies you. If, if anything, it calls you a saint all over the New Testament. Ephesians 1, Paul and Apostle Jesus Christ to the saints at Ephesus. Okay? Now, that's not the Mother Teresa's and the people that have lived all these amazing lives and that they reach sainthood at some point when they're really old. No, no, no. As soon as you're born again, the Bible says you're a saint. And there's not... There, 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 you can't be both at the same time. Either you're a saint or an ain't. Okay? The saints in Christ Jesus. Now... Hey, saints, so that's you. Now, I'm not talking about the New Orleans football team, but I'm talking about those that are sanctified, set apart, saints. You think of um, St. Matthew, St. Mark, St. Luke, St. John. You think of those, and we've, we've gotten this messed up, and I don't want to offend anybody, but the, Catholic, the Roman Catholic Church has jacked up a lot of this stuff for us, and that is that if you were able to, to do a couple of miracles in your life and you lived a really, for the most part, almost sinless life, then you could become canonized and a, a pope uh, or a bishop's council could recommend that you would be named a saint. And that has nothing to do with what the Bible is talking about as a saint. Right now, you're a saint. Whether I don't know what you did last night, but if you have the blood of Jesus on you, you're a saint. You may be a saint who sinned last night, but you're still a saint. And the point is, is that you've got to learn to live out of who you are right now and quit living out of who you used to be. That old identity. Scripture says the, that he who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. King James says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, we hear that, but we don't really renew our thinking to the power and the implication of that. Okay? And so this morning, I want to go back and talk to you just for a few moments about the power of the new birth. The new birth and the seed of God. I remember putting this on a 3 by 5 card and memorizing this passage of Scripture in my second year of college at Arkansas State University. And I memorized it in the King James. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, reserved in heaven for you, who are by the power of God kept through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. I could keep going, but that's all that's germane to what I'm going to talk about this morning. Let's put it up in the NLT and hear and see what it says there. You've heard some words there. The new birth and the seed of God. So look at this. Read this out loud with me, everybody. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have what? 
been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, now we live with great expectation. The King James says we've been gotten, we have been begotten again unto a lively hope. A newer translation says a living hope. This one says a great expectation. I love that. And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. I love that. And through your faith, God is protecting you by His power until you receive this salvation. Now, wait a minute. I thought I was already saved. Well, your spirit has been saved, your soul is being saved, and your body shall be saved. When you see Jesus, you will get what's called body felt salvation. You will put on immortality. 1 John chapter 3 says, Beloved, we don't know what we it shall be, but we know that when we shall see Him, we will be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Now are we the sons of God, it says. But when we see Him, we will be like Him. So there's a change. There's a transformation. When Jesus comes back, He will... It says that the corruption will put on incorruption. Mortality will put on immortality. I believe your inheritance is not so much about a mansion on a golden street in heaven as it is a whole new body in a new heaven and a new earth. That's the promise of the New Testament right there. And some bad theology that came from Southern Gospel music has given us this idea that everybody's going to have a 40-room mansion on the glory hallelujah and the corner of, you know, shout down the praise boulevard, whatever. And I just want to ask you, if you've got a mansion and your husband's got a mansion your wife, and your wife's got a mansion, your kids all have their own mansion, it's 40 rooms, what, what are those rooms going to be? They're not going to be bedrooms because you're not going to sleep because there's no more night. You're in an immortal body, so you don't need to sleep the way we have to sleep now. And, and if, if, if we're going to have you know, dinner on the grounds, then who's going to clean up? Or, you know, what, what, how? I don't, this isn't about a 40-room mansion. This is about, the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5, that we groan to be clothed upon with our house from heaven. The greatest hope that you and I have, a great expectation, is reserved in heaven for us. It says, and you're kept by the power of God until you receive this salvation, which, look when it's coming, which is ready to be revealed on the last day. The last day is when Jesus comes for all to see. Boom. Oh, hallelujah. I've been struggling for years to get this waist down to a 32, and when I see Jesus, it's going to just... I don't know if that's legit or not. I'm just kidding. But I want you to know I have put in my order. <laughs> Y'all having a good time this morning? Come on. We've got a great expectation. Look at this. Verse 23, 24, 25. For, read it with me. For you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever. Because where does it come from? It comes from the eternal living word of God. Verse 24. As the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades but look what happens to the Word. Come on, read it like you mean it. But the Word of the Lord remains forever. Heaven and earth may pass away, but my Word will not fail. It will not pass away. Okay? The Word of the Lord remains forever, and that Word is the good news that was preached to you. Alright? Now, I want you to recognize this morning this principle about the new birth. And here's our one thing. Read it with me, please. The new birth 
is no mere decision on our part, but the injection of God's very own Spirit, capital S, that's the Holy Spirit, raising us from spiritual death to a whole new kind of life. Get it again. Here we go. The new birth is no mere decision on our part, but the injection of God's very own Spirit raising us from spiritual death to a whole new kind of life. Literally, when Jesus came, He was the prototype. He was the beginning, the Scripture says, in Colossians 1, in Revelation chapter 1. It says He's the beginning of the new creation of God. The beginning means He's the first one. So now there's a whole race of God-men... That is, men who've been redeemed. When I say men, I don't mean gender specific. I'm talking about mankind. I'm talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. You have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And now you have something inside of you that prior to Jesus sending the Holy Spirit had never happened before. And that is God, God who was out there in the whole Old Testament, God would momentarily, temporarily come down on people for for, um, for amazing feats. He would anoint Samson temporarily to take out the enemy. He, he would anoint David to play and get rid of the troubling spirit that King Saul was dealing with. He, he anointed, it was Elijah who was running from Jezebel and he, 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 he ate some food that the angels brought to him and he got up and ran for 40 miles. Now I'm going to tell you, Colby about to do a 50K. You need, to get, you need some of that angel food. <laughs> Bless you, honey. I, that ain't for me. Uh, I, that's a great thing. I'll be praying for you. <laughs> the new birth is no mere decision on our part, but the injection of God's very own spirit raising us from spiritual death to a whole new kind of life. Three points this morning quickly. Number one, we are talking about God's DNA. And let me, let me I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's pray. Come on, pray. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you right now as we open this word. Thank you for a spirit of the Holy Spirit to teach us, to bring all things into our remembrance, those things which Jesus has spoken to us, that the teacher who will lead us and guide us into all truth. Help us, Lord, though we might hear something new that we've not heard before, help, help us to discern the ring of truth in our spirit, down in our knower. Help us to know that we know that we know that we're hearing something that is grounded in the Word, that is established by the Spirit of God, that was bought by the blood of Jesus. We need you. We need you more than we've ever needed you before. I ask you for strength in my physical body, for healing, Lord, today. Thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit to move among us and to teach your people what only you can do. And I ask you for this in Jesus' name and everybody said. God's DNA. Remember from science class, I'm not trying to impress you, but remember RNA, DNA. DNA is the code of life. It is the building block of life. It is the, the, the amino chain. It's that helix that, that's twisted like this. The DNA is your chromosomes. It is what establishes your eye color. It is what determines how tall you're going to be. It, it establishes your skin color. It establishes... Um, some things that are probably actually inherent in your family line. Uh, things that you like, things that you dislike, things that you do, actions, uh, sometimes little quirky things that, are, that sort of characterize us, that our grandfather did it, our, grand, our father did it, and I do it. 
okay? And it's just sort of who we are because it's sort of in the family line. Well, we understand that because we were born by, and I don't want to be crass this morning, but, you know, just remember that you've got the, the, the reproductive cell of a, of a male, of the sperm, and the female, the egg, and they, they come together, and you've got the blending of the chromosomes of the mom and the dad, the mother and the father. Well, when we talk about God's DNA, it's not natural, it's not... Although I will say this, and I don't want to be offensive, but the Greek word for seed in the Bible is sperma, S-P-E-R-M-A, the Greek word. So there's, there, the seed of God has life in it. It will break open things that otherwise uh, would have had some resistance. But God is able to, to move beyond sometimes the obstacles or the our, our hardness or our, our resistance to Him. And, and He will plant something. He will, he will sow seed. And it's not a natural seed, but it's by the Word of the Lord. It's spoken. It's a creative, powerful Word. Hebrews 11 says that by faith we understand that God created the things that we see by the things that are not seen. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and darkness was on the deep, the face of the deep. And, and the Bible says the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. In verse 3, the first thing that God does is He speaks. The Spirit comes and hovers and prepares. And then the Word comes and speaks and brings a creative change. It's always those two elements of the Spirit and the Word. The Spirit prepares you. Long before you ever make a decision to follow Jesus, the Spirit's already been chasing you down. The hound dog of heaven has already been on your heels. And He's drawing you and He's changing your thinking and He's softening your heart. Are you hearing me this morning? And then you hear the Gospel. You, you're in a, in a Gospel meeting. Some evangelist or maybe a person shares it with you in their own personal faith and they share their testimony and tell you how God delivered them from this, that, or the other and how God saved them and they share the Gospel. Maybe the Roman road that... All of sin and come short of the glory of God. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, that's a great way to be able to share your faith. 323, 5-8, 623, and then 10-9 and 10. If you believe this story that you've heard about Jesus, that He lived this sinless, impeccable life, and that His Father, God, raised Him from the dead, the Bible says, if you'll call on the Lord, you'll be saved. So it, it, it begins as He's already drawing you because Jesus met the need before you even knew you had it. Come on, somebody. And the seed of God is incorruptible, folks. It can't die. And let me just let me throw you a curveball. The seed of God can't fail. You may be jacked up right now and just wandering and squalor and just all over the place in the direction of your life. But I'm telling you, as a born-again believer, blood-bought in Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, you've got something on the inside of you that cannot fail. And the failure doesn't happen until you quit. You might be struggling with an addictive pattern of behavior or a thought or an action or whatever, any of those kinds of things, while you are a saint right now. And yes, we are saints who still sin 
Yes, we still have issues that we struggle with. But I'm telling you, you have to learn to live out of who you are now and not who you used to be. And as you do that, as you change your mind, as you renew your thinking to who you are and quit living out of an old memory, out of an old, just everything that, that, that went wrong in the past and what you've been told. Some of you, bless God, help me this morning. You have been told by your parents and your grandparents you would never amount to anything. And I'm telling you, that is a lie from the pit of hell. You are made in the image of God. You have the image of God on you, in you. You, if you believe, if you have Jesus in your heart, you are in Christ. You are not the same old person with another chance. You are a whole new kind of person. We read that in the Bible a moment ago. Come on. I, I, this passage I also memorized that year because I actually memorized that whole first chapter. And it, it says in verse 23, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So the same word God spoke to create light, the same word God spoke to make man and woman after His image and His likeness in Genesis 1.26, the same word that that put a great light to rule the day called the sun and a lesser light to rule the night called the moon and, and all the stars in the sky and the vegetation on the earth and the fish in the sea. When God spoke, it had to come to pass because His word was a container that had creative power in it. So does the gospel. And when you hear the gospel and how Jesus loves you and he died for you and he loves you so much that he will take you just like you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. Come on, put your hands together. We are born by the word of God. The same word that put this whole thing into being. The same word in Genesis 1-3 that said when God spoke and said, light be... And the universe has been expanding from that moment until now at 186,000 miles per second. Now, that's what I grew up learning. I think if Dawn were here, my sweet science teacher, late wife, she would give me the actual down to the 524, whatever it is. I don't know. And I, I never learned that, so it's not in there. <laughs> Listen to John 1, 10 through 13. Hear this. He came to into the very world He created, but the world didn't recognize Him. He came to His own people, and they rejected Him. But to all who believed Him and accepted Him, He gave the right. But as many as received Him, the King James says, He gave the power to become the sons of God. Greek word exousia, the right, the privilege, the executive authority. You are a believer because God gave you the right to be a child of His. Come on, put your hands together. Give Him praise. But to all who believed and accepted Him, He gave the right to become children of God. Look at verse 13. You don't have to look at it. It's, not, it's only in my notes. They are reborn. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but from a birth that comes from God. King James says they're born not of blood, nor of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, let me just tell you this. Do you know that when you were born on the planets, when you came into this world, it isn't because you had a choice. Your mom and daddy and their love for each other, guess what? Here you you come. Here's a bouncing baby girl, baby boy. I remember my smart mouth as about a 15-year-old teenager 
pointing my finger in my dad's face and said, I didn't ask to be born in this family. And he pretty quickly thought, and he said, yeah, and if you had that, I told you no. <laughs> I want to tell you that the new birth is the exact same way. God acts on you. He's always the first responder. He always takes the first step. He will move toward you and draw you. Yes, you, you chose him. But don't you remember when Jesus told the disciples, hey, you didn't choose me, I chose you. We were chosen in him before we ever were a glint, little glint in our daddy's eye. Come on. <laughs> Ephesians 1 says, before the foundation of the world, we were chosen in him to be holy and without blame before him in love. Wow. We're not used to hearing ourselves described like that because we don't read our Bibles. We're accepted in the beloved. You may be rejected on your job. You may be rejected at the school, at your junior high or your high school. But guess what? There's one who accepts you. You're accepted in the beloved. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit have accepted you. That means you are somebody right now, whether anybody accepts you or not. And before you think you've got it all that bad because you've been rejected, think about Jesus who created this whole thing, shows up in his creation, and his own people, his own creation rejected him. But yet he loved anyway. Mm, I love that. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we've seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. What's our one thing? One more time. The new birth is no mere decision on our part, but the injection of God's very own spirit, raising us from spiritual death to a whole new kind of life. Now, I just want to tell you, you can't be dead and alive at the same time. And I want to tell you that when you're born into a family, it's final. There's no going back. Now, my fellowship, when my dad was alive, there were seasons when it wasn't great, but my relationship never changed with Grady Smith. Are you hearing me? You may feel like you are far from the Father this morning, but if you are born again, I'm telling you, He does not let go of you, and you have not lost your salvation. The thing is just prove that you've actually got it in the first place. The Scripture says, make your calling and election sure. Examine yourselves. It's always a good thing to do that. Make your calling and election sure. Make sure that you're in the faith. Okay? But I want you to see this. I want, you, I want you to hear this. It raises us from spiritual death to a whole new kind of life. In the very same way that I couldn't turn around and go back and lose my birth from my natural family, from Grady and Mary Smith, I'm going to tell you right now, I, I, it, 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 it amazes me at the people that will fight with me over the right to lose their salvation. We were in the gym the other day and, and, a, and a kid was arguing with me over... I just said, you know what, brother, I'm, I, look, I was there. I was, I was raised a Pentecostal. I got saved again every Sunday night. <laughs> and you know what? When I actually started reading the Bible and studying the Word of God and finding out who I was in Christ, and I learned that I have been sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption, that I can't, if the Holy Spirit has sealed me, I can't lose that. Come on, somebody. God's got this. He didn't save me because I was so good in the first place. Guess what? He can keep me saved. He can preserve me. He can keep me. The, the Bible says in the book of Jude, now unto him who is able to keep you. I love that. Y'all get anything out of this this morning? Point number two. 
Point number two, I just want you to know that we're told that there's like seven and a half, eight billion population on the planet. I want to tell you that's not true. There are only two on the planet. There are two men on the earth. It's a great big corporate company, and you're either in one of these two groups, corporate groups, in these many-membered men. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20 through 22 says this, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we have the hope of a future resurrection. Of this mortal putting on immortality. Of the death and the decay. Everything that has come to us because of the curse. Jesus became a curse for us. us, And He's lifted it off of us. And He's working in us. My spirit got saved when I trusted Jesus as my personal Savior. My soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions. My mind is what I think. My will is what I want. My emotions are what I feel. That's the crux of the issue. That's where I have to wrestle down wrong thinking, bad memories, living out of the memory of something I used to be instead of renewing my mind to who I am now in Christ. So that's being saved. It's being renewed. Be transformed. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Romans chapter 12 verse 2. But finally, it's not just spirit and soul, but it'll also be my body. When I see Jesus and there's a change instantly, instantly, this mortal puts on immortality. There's the, that's the hope of the resurrection that we're leaning into and longing for. And look at this, verse 21 says, So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, do you remember, anybody remember what his name was, first man in the garden? What's his name? Adam, so just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Everybody say Jesus. Better yet, say Christ, Jesus Christ, okay? Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. So this is what I want you to see. I'm going to put a little chart up here. And there are two men in the earth. Now, Let's, let's boil this down from nations and tribes and tongues, from generations, all of these different things. Really, the bottom line is there are two men in the earth. There are those who have been born into Adam. Everybody who's born on the planet, guess what? The DNA where the sin is transferred, where original sin is transferred. But remember, I taught you last week that this thing, it's wrong to start with the fall because we want to start in original goodness when God backed up every day and He said, Behold, it's good. Behold, it's good. Day three, behold, it's good. Day four, behold, it's good. Day five, the Lord saw that it was good. Day six, man and woman are there in the garden and He backs up and God said, Behold, it's very good. So everything began in the goodness of God. It had goodness in it. The world had goodness in it. And Adam and Eve disobeyed and committed high treason. And because they did, the world, us, people, have come under a curse. And yes, our hearts need change. Our hearts, as we've heard in Jeremiah, are desperately wicked. Don't go there yet. I'm I'm not ready for that. For those that are running, doing a great job. Everybody say, Adam, all die. Guess what? The scripture says in 2 Peter that a day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. 
God told Adam, he said, in the day that you eat, you, you've sinned and you will surely die. Now, he didn't die that day, that 24-hour period, but he never lived out a full of one of God's days. He, Adam only lived 939 years, and Methuselah 965. Nobody lived to 1,000 years. Second Peter, a day with the Lord is as 1,000 years, 1,000 years as one day. And all of those first men on the planet lived up into their 900s, but in the day they ate, they died because sin entered. Now, because Adam is our father, he's our federal head, he is the corporate CEO over the human race. Red, yellow, black, and white, brown, different shades, all of that. We all started from this one Adam, okay? But thank God, the new Adam, the second Adam, has come to make a, bring a lasting end to the first Adam, and his name is Jesus Christ. So now, if you're an Adam, you still die, but the Bible says if you're in Christ, you will be what? Made alive. Now, you were made alive when the Holy Spirit came into you and you got saved, you got born again. But I'm telling you, there's a promise of when you finally see Him face to face, you're going to be made alive in ways that you can't even begin to understand. Talking about tingling and, whoo, mercy, a whole new body. Man, I'm ready. Praise God. Just this seasonal junk that I'm fighting this morning. You know, there's no more sickness. There's no more sin. There's no more death. There's no more tears. Somebody says, well, that's in heaven. Well, yes, that's, a, that's where heaven and earth come together and we've got a, he, a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness is what the book of First, Second Peter says. So the, the issue is everybody that's born on the planet is in Adam. We're all going to die. But guess what? That's not the final word. We can now be in Christ and we can be made alive. Somebody say amen. Put your hands together and give the Lord praise. The new birth is no mere decision on our part, but the injection of God's very own spirit raising us from spiritual death to a whole new kind of life. My third point, and I'm finished. This one's not very long. It's a new heart and a new spirit. God has promised us in the book of Ezekiel. Go ahead and put that up, Pastor Haley. She's helping us in the booth this morning. And look at this. I, 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 I italicize some because I want you to see the action of God. And then I embolden what you're getting. Everybody say, and I will give you a new heart. So God says, I will give you a new heart. And he says, I will put, I love that, I will put a new spirit in you. Now notice it's a little s. That's the human spirit. Anytime you read the Bible and you want to know the difference between your human spirit and the capital S Holy Spirit, that's how the translators distinguished Little s is my spirit. Proverbs 20, 27, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord searching all the inward parts of the belly. Okay? My knower. My spirit is my knower. It's when I know something that I don't have necessarily um, empirical evidence to prove, but I can feel it. I can intuit it. I can sense it. I can discern it. I can be around somebody and I can go, nope, that, nope, nope. I love you. I'll pray for you, but that's not for me. No, nope. there's, some, there's some problems here. There's some evil here. I'm not talking about somebody that has a heart that's right toward the Lord. But I'm talking about somebody that has malintentions. Come on. 
That, you know, you, you've got nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. You need to be using them. That's not just for church on Sunday morning or a Sunday night where everybody gets the hoot nanny on. It's all about learning how to interact with people and just listening to the still small voice of the Holy Spirit in you so you can make good decisions. I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out. It's a heart transplant. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and will give you a tender, responsive heart. That's Ezekiel 26. And look at verse 27. Now when we get here, we're going to see the difference because he's given me a new human spirit. But this time he says, I will put my what? Capital S. That's the Holy Spirit. So he's not just reborn and made alive my human spirit, but now He's going to fill me with the presence of Himself. His Holy Ghost coming on the inside of me. I will put my spirit in you so that. Everybody say, so that. That's for the purpose of, in order that. I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Now this was Ezekiel looking forward to what was going to take place in the new covenant after Jesus went to the cross and bought it and paid for it for us. Jesus looked at his disciples one day and he said, it's better for you, it's expedient that I go away. Oh, no, no, Jesus, don't go away. He said, if I don't go away, I can't send you another comforter because right now it's all wrapped up in me. But if as I ascend, I'm going to send you back down the Holy Spirit that will fill each and every one of you. I love that. Our church calendar is all about what God has done for us. At Christmas, he is... God with us, Emmanuel. At Easter, He is God for us, the Savior who is dying in our place, dying for us. He substitute. He was the, the ram caught in the thicket with, with Abraham. He was the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. It's God for us. Hallelujah. If God be for you, who can be against you? Everybody say, nobody! But I love it. On Pentecost, He becomes God in us, inside you. Yes. When you walk into that board meeting, when you walk into that presentation, when you stand up in front of the class, young student, come on, you know Jesus, you got the Holy Spirit in you, you can have an edge on you that folk won't understand what's going on. I, 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 you know, Abby called two Sundays ago and I, I, sh I, I shut her off because I was kind of embarrassed that she called. And she told me later, she said, Dad, I wanted the church to pray for me for this tour with John Mayer. And, and, they just finished in San Francisco last night. In two days, they're driving up to Seattle. And so, just pray with me right now. Father, thank you for your protection, your guidance, your strength. Thank you for opening doors of opportunity. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for a life that is sharing the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, I pray. Bless her, protect her. So, I've, I have fulfilled the request. Now, I said that because I wanted to say this. There are people that don't understand why her music affects them the way they do. And she says, it's because I'm worshiping. I may be singing a song that doesn't have the name of Jesus in it, but I'm singing about kingdom truth. And the process that she went through to deal with her grief, and it's such an amazing testimony because she took something so horrible and so painful and so ugly, and she's made it into something so beautiful. A whole album dedicated to her mama. 
Somebody says, well, but isn't my heart desperately wicked? Come on, I've heard my whole life in church. Jeremiah 17, 9, this is what it says. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who can really know how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. And, and the answer to that is yes. But that's before the cross. Jeremiah was writing that in the Old Covenant and Jesus hadn't shown up yet to redeem you, to buy you, to set you free from the bondage of slavery to sin, to redeem you from the curse of the law. Come on, somebody. It amazes me how all these hardline legalistic preachers will get up and tell people, oh, don't follow your heart to a room full of people that are filled with the Holy Spirit. Saved, born again, blood-bought. Walking with Jesus. They're there every time the door is open. They're reading their Bibles through every year. They're, they're, they're in their Baptist 6 o'clock Sunday night discipleship time or whatever it is that they call it. <clears throat> they're in life groups at Victory. They're, they're learning the Purple Book. They're getting, they're getting in the Word and they're renewing their thinking to who they are and who Jesus is. As He is, so are we in this world. And yet, they're told, we're told, oh, no, 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 don't ever trust your heart. Well, yeah, that was the issue before you got a new one. Right now, Ezekiel says, because Jesus has come, I've got a new heart and a new spirit. And he took out my stony, stubborn one. You don't describe me anymore as someone who refuses to obey God. I have the desire to please Him. Come on, somebody. Say this with me. Put it up. The cross changed everything. Come on. The cross changed everything. When you go back and read the Old Testament, you need to make sure that you don't read that with an Old Testament mentality, but you put on a fresh set of cross-centered glasses so that you look back at all of that in the Old Testament through the lens of the cross because Jesus has already fulfilled and finished all of that. Come on, somebody. Philippians 2, 12 and 13, and I'm finished. Have you got anything out of this this morning? Listen to this. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Verse 13, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Now, it's interesting. There are two big systems of theology. One is a little more man-centered. The other one is definitely more God-centered. And the, the man-centered idea, and especially a works-based salvation, always points to 2.12. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And I'm going, okay, so this denomination picks 12, but they ignore 13. And then you go hang around the Baptists and the Presbyterians, and they will tell you 13. For it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God's working into you. He's doing something to create a new desire inside of you. The will and the to do. Everybody say the will. That's your want to. And the to do. That's the action. The to do of his good pleasure. But I love this. You got to realize, and this is what I saw years ago, God works in me first and then I have to work out what he's worked in. Isn't that good? That's so good. He works it in me. He works out. He works in a desire. The scripture says, delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, 
the prosperity guys have taken that and basically have said, you know, if you will read your Bible and you'll set your affection on the Lord first and delight in Him, then He will give you whatever crazy desire you can come up with. You want a Bentley? There's nothing wrong with a Bentley. Don't hear that. You want a, you want a boat? You want whatever you want. And, and it's, they've got it backwards because this is what I think it really means. I think that when I put my delight in God, that He will put the desires that I'm supposed to have in my heart. He will give me the desires of my heart that I'm supposed to have. One more time. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you. Say, God's still working on me. Come on, say it, everybody. God's working on me. God is working in you, giving you the desire. That's the will and the power to do. For it is God which works in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. The NLT says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. You're a new creation. You've got a new heart. You've got a new spirit. Now, you know what? You always, when you have a desire to move towards something, you always check it with the Word because God will never put a desire in your heart that's contrary to what He's already written in His Word. Okay? So you check it with the Word. Get you some good godly counselors. An older woman, an older man. Scripture says in the multitude of counselors, every purpose is established. There is safety, another passage says. So we want to look to the Word and see what the Word says. We want to confirm it by the voice of others that can mentor us, that are older than us, that can disciple us. But I love this Scripture. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do. God doesn't put a desire in your heart and not give you the ability to carry it out. He gives you the power to do what pleases Him. I want us to bow our hearts together and I'm going to open the front here this morning. I believe that God is renewing minds and thinking because you have had the injection of the seed of God into your life. You were dead, but now you're alive. You were unholy, but the Bible says now you're holy in Him, in Christ. So this morning as we bow our hearts together, Father, we, we thank You for Your love for us, for Your goodness, Your mercy, Your kindness. Thank you that it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance, to change our mind, to change our behavior. God, help us to renew our thinking to all that you are and what you have done at the cross for us. Help us to understand the finished work of Christ. Help us to know that you're still working in us to give us the desire and the power to do what pleases you. Thank you for a new life. Thank you that because of Jesus, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. Thank you that because of Jesus, who took upon his sin and sickness, that we are no longer under the curse, but we are redeemed, we are set free. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. God, thank you that we've been delivered from the curse. Thank you, Lord, that when we struggle, thank you, Lord, that when we're tempted, that you can give us strength in Jesus to withstand it and to overcome it. I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning. As we close this service right now, if there's anyone who's never 
crossed that line of faith and said, Jesus, save me. Come into my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. That's available to you this morning. I want us to lift this chorus up one more time that we sang just a little while ago. I throw up my hands. I praise you again and again. I'd like you to stand, everybody, all over the room. This morning, if you've never crossed that line of faith, all it takes is just saying, Jesus, I need you. Save me. I trust you. I put my trust in you. Forgive my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Singers, musicians, go ahead and lead us in that. We're going to be here to pray for you. Anybody this morning? respond to this word, what you've heard. If you want to come and let us pray for you, then we're here. We've got something to recommend.